Hey everybody, welcome to the Ultra Crew Hub Podcast. On this episode, we're going back to 2022 and the Mogollon 100 in Pine, Arizona. I ran this race and unfortunately DNF'd at mile 61, but we would like to share our experience up until that point and a little bit thereafter. And for more information on this race, please visit our website at www.ultracrewhub.com. Enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ultra Crew Hub Podcast. On this episode, we're going to be digging into the archives a little bit, going back to the 2022 Mogollon 100, just outside of Pine, Arizona, which I ran and regretfully DNF'd at mile 61. It's a sensitive subject. <laughs> it took a lot to get that out. That was hard. It's a healing process, this this podcast. <laughs> it, it, it took almost a year to talk about it again. Mm -hmm. But here we are. Mm -hmm. So we're going to give you guys as much insight, information as we can on the limited amount of time we spent at this race. But uh, we hope it's informative and we'll, we'll kick it off. So um, we flew from Minnesota, where we live, to, to Phoenix, which was a rare... Uh, relatively inexpensive flight. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it was nice once we got there. It was warm and joyful. Yep. F flew in, got a rental car, did the usual. I mean, that's not out of the norm for anybody. Drove on up, which was, it's a good track, you know, hour and a half, windy roads, heading up that mountainside. To, to Payson. Yeah, so from, to Payson. from Phoenix to Payson, it's about an hour and 35 minute drive. Uh, we did stop at a great uh, vegan restaurant called Green New American Vegetarian, which was fantastic food if for you plant-based vegetarian or anybody else that wants to try something different. They uh, just in Tempe there on the way up. It's a great restaurant. Good. Something to eat after a long flight. Yeah. So as you uh, go through Tempe, which for those who are unfamiliar with that area, that's Arizona State. Um, super cool area to kind of drive through off that major intersection or intersection, interstate. Um, so yeah, when you when you take that exit, you're going to go left kind of away from Arizona State. You could go right if you want and kind of dabble by the football field and um, you get to see the college campus, which I love college campuses. Um, so yeah, you're going to go away and then go away from the campus and go back under the interstate and it's probably a not like a five to ten minute drive up that road on your left hand side it's nothing fancy it's just kind of your typical arizona strip mall restaurant um so it's not a standalone but it's super cute and quaint when you get inside and they have great vegan food um simple order up at the up at the counter and then go sit down and enjoy your food. So it's super quick and uh, we, we recommend it. It was yeah. a, just a random Google search on our phone. Yeah. Highly recommended. So, so green, uh, new American vegetarian and vegan. It's awesome. It's mm -hmm. good stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. So continuing on. So from, from Phoenix to Payson, you got about an hour and 35 minute drive. We did stay in Payson. We stayed at a comfort inn. Um, but to continue on, if you're going straight from the airport to Pine, it's almost two hour drive. So be prepared for that. Um, it's a beautiful drive. You're traveling through the 
Tempe and up through the desert, heading towards the Mogian Rim, which comes into view about three quarters of the way into the drive. Did you just say Tempe? Like vegan, like vegan Tempe? Is it Tempe? No. Temp- <laughs> my colors are coming out. <laughs> Even straight plant-based on that. I think for the locals, it's Tempe. Tempe, Arizona. But that's all right. We'll we'll let your we'll let that one slide. <laughs> but that was that was awesome. Um, yeah. So we uh, stayed at the. Let me let me backtrack on that. We stayed at the Comfort Inn in Payson, um, which was perfect. It's right off 87, which will, takes you right into Pine. So you just get right back on 87, head north into Pine. Um, Pine and Strawberry kind of have a um, piggyback each other. So it's a very common area to talk about with this race. You can stay in both places, either pine or Arizona, or Arizona, pine or strawberry. Um, but Payson is where it's at with like everything you need. Walmart, Safeway, any fast food restaurant, pizza places. Um, so that's kind of, that's where we stayed because A, it was more affordable and B, it was just everything we needed right outside the door there. So let's talk about packet pickup at the um, old country inn in pine. Yeah, that was uh that's a nice little place. Um, also if the listeners out there want to dig in a little bit deeper, our Vipa and the, the Mogion team have put together a really good packet um, for the runners out there and for the crew members to, to dive into a little bit deeper, but the, we're coming from our experience here. So yeah, packet pickup in, in Pine was fairly simple. A lot of good people there. The the staff there to give you bib, pins, et cetera, and just general information on on any questions that you may have. Um, the one thing that uh, we we noted that they they didn't have a whole lot of was was information for crews. Yeah, and that's what kind of sparked this whole thing we're doing now because that one kind of put um this taste in our mouth for like what the heck we don't have any information and i mean example a of how we finished this race we were like oh i wish i would have known that or we needed that type of information from the get-go um so anyways there's there's some good information in the packet, but to have questions clarified, that was one of the things that we noted at the race. There wasn't really a person to talk to that had all the details of what was in the packet. So yeah. let just, me let me paint the picture here though, because for people who are coming into this race who's never done this before, you get off 87, there's just random dirt parking. You're kind of along um the main road there. Um, and you're, there's just some tables set up. There's a tent, maybe there's some swag that you can buy. I mean, nothing again, which I love is nothing fancy. It's, they're not making a scene about it. It's just pull off the side of the road park. You kind of walk around there, people standing around chatting. Um, but it's all outside, uh, because it was a nice day for us. So I don't know what they do on a, on a rainy day, but, um, for us, we pulled off there's a couple restaurants around, nothing huge, nothing showy. Um, and you just kind of stood in line, got your stuff. There weren't a ton of people when we were there. So we just walked up, grabbed our stuff, kind of looked at each other and we're like, all right, now what? You know, there's, I think something in the 
packet they give you um, some discounted food or beer because the old country inn is not an actual like hotel. It's an actual restaurant, right? County inn. Oh, county. Oh, county. I wrote country. Let's grab grab that part. Hey, I said tempe. (laughs) You said country. The old country inn. County. The old county inn. Holy Hannah. Okay. So the old county inn is nothing fancy. Uh, <laughs> you, um, which is fine. I mean, you go in, I think there's food and drink um, options there. And if you travel down the road a little bit, there is another place to get some food. Pizza, there's a pub. Um, yeah, you can, after that, we just kind of, it was later in the day. Um, we would have stopped um and ate stuff but it was busy it was hopping it was super fun it looked awesome everybody kind of getting their last meal in before the race but we headed back down to payson and pine pine is a great little town Mm -hmm. it may not look like it has much but there's a lot to do in pine there's good food there's some things to see and just hang out in pine it's i didn't find it to be just like a, a a one horse pony town where there was like a shack and stuff. There was there was a bit to do there. There's some good food, good vibes, good entertainment. It was fun. Packet pickup was I thought fun. It was nice. Yeah, I mean nothing fancy. It's just kind of your mountain off the side of the road town. So don't go there looking for any chain anything aside from a Chevron, a couple gas stations with our which are key. Um, if you're staying up that way and heading to the start line. So, um, w- again, we stayed in in Payson um, at the Comfort Inn, which is wonderful because the night before, um, it was right next to 260 that heads you right into the start line. Um, we ate at a restaurant. There was a Mexican restaurant literally out the back door, um, which has kind of become our tradition of eating um, fajitas before the night, right before the race, um, the night before the race. And it was called El Rancho. And it was fine. It was, it was good. Great, great yeah. Mexican food. Yeah, your typical good fajitas, burritos. Sit down, be served um, restaurant. And it was great. And then we just kind of hung out. Oh, there's a Safeway there that we did some grocery shopping. Um, there's everything in in Payson, so don't don't be um, you know rattled by things that you forgot. Because there's also, which I just found out, um, there's a place called Rim Runners um, that Mogion um, promotes as well, um, and it's a it's a running store. So if you need anything right there get online rimrunners.com and they can help you. And it's right in Payson at uh, 807 South Beeline Highway. Yeah. And it's right there. They've got pretty much everything you need um, if you forgot something. So again, worry not with that because there's a running store right in town there. Yeah, that's that's good to know. Um, and there's plenty to do in Payson as well. There's plenty of grocery stores and restaurants and hotels and everything else. And for anybody out there that's looking to camp, um, there are plenty of camp spots, and we would recommend a couple of um, sites to go to. The Dirt, DYRT.com, and also Campground 360. Both of these sites provide 
um, information on on camping locations in and around Payson and Pine and along the rim. So if you want to to camp, bring a tent, bring a trailer, RV, whatever you may have. Yeah, there's plenty of plenty of options for that as well. So if you're driving in in your RV, you got plenty of locations. Um, also in the race manual for Mogion, they have a fabulous um pictogram and uh, just they list everything that there is to do strawberry pine all over um they've got food options they've got hotel options they've got camp spots so they've done a really really good job putting this information into the race manual for for people to have a visual on yeah i think that's just um mogion didn't put that together i think that's just the um marketing for pine and strawberry area but yeah it does show food and groceries and lodging just kind of your one-off um names with numbers um attached to it with a cute little little graph a graph map on there um just to give you a little background also to kick things off um with driving times from payson to pine it's about 20 minutes yep yeah it's 20 minutes yep um, super easy, nothing, nothing crazy. There's no dangerous roads. It's all paved. It's great drive, um, to jump kind of right into the race itself from where we stayed. Again, this is our experience and how we drive, um, the, from our front door, from the comfort in to the starting line. Now, keep in mind the start, you have two options. One, you can shuttle, which the shuttle takes you from the parking lot designated in the race guidebook. It's about a 45-minute drive to the trailhead at, on 260. Um, but if you decide to to drive yourself... Which we did. Which we did. Keep in mind, you have to drop your runner off and you will have to depart and go to the first crew location or go grab breakfast or coffee or something in the meantime until you wait for your runner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this- that, that's about a... It's about a 30-minute drive from from Payson on 260 to the trailhead. Yeah, it seems like a long 30 minutes too. Maybe because it's early and your the anticipation and the anxiety is building mm-hmm. and it just seems like a like a long 30 minutes. It's windy. You do, however, um pass through a, I believe a small little town on your way that has a gas station, um, which I highly recommend. Well, it I guess it doesn't matter because you you have to drop off your your runner. You can't stay there, which I grip my teeth with because I don't like, I don't like, I don't like races where you can't see your runner start. And this is one of them. No offense, but it's just hard to like send, like send you on your way. Bye. And then good luck on your start, which is, I think one of the best parts about these races is seeing you start seeing everybody fresh out the gate, smile on their faces. And then you just kind of think to yourself like, Oh, you're going to be in some pain and see you in about 28 hours. <laughs> and and my perspective on the race itself. Yeah. I love to have people watch, watch me start or, you know, my wife there to, to see me off on the race. But in the same sense, this race is f- beautiful. The Mogian Rim is amazing and the remoteness of the race and and that type of start where you're starting from is is pretty pretty unique. Yeah, it's small. I mean, again to paint your picture, you're you're <laughs> flying up these roads um and then all of a sudden the trailhead is off to your left and then you we literally parked 
on the side of the road on the side of the road but like did we didn't have to parallel we just kind of shot in there like nose first you got some things out of the car there's other people trying to figure out parking it's a little chaotic because then you have buses flying in here and the road they have to go up is pretty steep like this dirt road into the trailhead so there's there's really no room for like cars come i get it like it's a it's a small area to to deal with and buses these school buses that they've partnered with are having to get in there and flip around and come back out and so just jockeying cars please be respectful and just literally like park on the side because give these buses some space because as you get to that starting line you will notice Mm -hmm. that it is very small and it's again a little chaotic so and you know if they if they wanted to create a race where everybody left a, a massive location where everybody could watch all their runners leave and hang out and they could start in pine and it would be an out and back. But the uniqueness of this race is that it's a point to point. And those are my favorite races specifically. If I can run a point to point, those are awesome. Yeah. So, um, there, there were some people that parked and walked their runner up and I don't know if they stayed, but I just did a little kiss and fly. Um, took a picture of him standing next to the road next to the car. Cause that's about as good as it was going to get. Because if you are going to walk your runner up to the start line, there's a good, you're, you're trekking up some dirt road, um, to get in there. You can't see the start line from the road. Um, so again, we just said, all right, see you at the next aid station. Um, good luck and get some photos if you can from the start. Um, so yeah. And then from there. And the, and the start, the start was actually pretty, pretty fun as a runner. Um, you actually get to see the monster there. He's, he's kind of rolling around, giving people high fives. Um, the race director, um, of course is there. There's just a really good vibe at the start. It's, it's fun. It's, it's nice. I enjoyed it. But as a crew member, you don't get to enjoy that. So I'm glad you had some fun. Hey, it's not about <laughs> the crew all the time. It is all the time. This is what this is what we're here for. This is what the listeners want. <laughs> all right. Well, six <laughs> six a.m. race start time. Um, the runners take off underneath the infamous Mogion One Hundred um, trellis and take off immediately. Head up the rim, and this is where. Oof, it's uh... it's a great start. You start off on a climb. You get up to the top of the rim. And yeah, your crew is, we'll let them, we'll let her dive into that one. Um, okay. So this is a fun one to talk about. Um, so dropped him off. I went back into town, um, and gathered, um, I think I gathered things from the hotel, kind of got stuff out of there because, we didn't obviously have to check out till 11. So um, I kind of hung out, got some breakfast, and then um, cleaned out the room. And then I knew, given some um, knowledge of what they had online for um, s- embarking upon this race, I got a full tank of gas. I had everything I needed. I kind of went above and beyond with getting groceries of um, – I think that's just common when you run these races from point to point and you're up. I mean, it's the Mogollon rim, so you know, you're going to be up there, but keep in mind, get yourself everything you need. I cannot reiterate this enough. 
um, you have nothing up there. There are no, there's, there's nothing. I mean, you're literally on a dirt road this entire time. Um, and you have plenty of time from, from the start mm -hmm. to the, Oh, hundred percent to the first crew zone area, which has no aid. You have a, it's called black Mesa crew zone, which is roughly what a mile or so long. So you can park along the dirt road and wait for your runner. It's roughly 26 miles into the race. <clears throat> I was about six hours to that point. So by noon is when I first saw my crew. Yeah. So you have time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you, you make your way, you kind of head the same way, um, up to 60, um, kind of pat you pass the starting line to make your way onto the road to, to embark upon this race. Um, fill up your car, fill it up, <laughs> get yourself some food that you're going to eat, get yourself whatever your runner needs, um, because you're in it to win it. Uh, in this race and you're not coming down until about mile 62 after that you're coming down. Um, and you know what, let's just cut to the point. That's we made it to the Washington park aid station and that was it. And that was mile 62. So whatever happens after that, we don't know. Um, however, you're up on that rim, you're going through washboard roads, and you're just kind of coating around that rim. It is a beautiful drive. Um, but it's just, it, people kind of got nipped in behind because they just sauntered right up, made it a day, but then the night fell and they were like, oh, geez, like A, B, and C I don't have. But we'll, we'll, we'll cross those bridges as we go through these aid stations. So um, getting to Black Mesa is is fine i mean it's morning it's beautiful you're you're cruising on up you pass a couple little um pull outs that you can stop and take some photos which i did because it's beautiful up there it was a beautiful clear blue sky no clouds sunny day um nothing was treacherous you're on dirt you're on dirt roads gravel so just be prepared that you're going to have a messy car, a messy rental car, dusty. Um, but when you get to Black Mesa, so you see this runner is about 26, 27 miles. Um, it is a perfect crew spot. You have this full stretch of road um, that you can park, park in. It's not just one little uh, in jet that you can like that you have to park in. You have this it's whole stretch. Zone. Yeah, it's a, it's crew a zone. zone. Yeah, which honestly I'd never I'd never seen anyone specifically designate. Like there was a sign that says you can start crewing from this point. And then at the end there was a there was another sign that they put into the ground that said you have to stop crewing at this point. So everybody was was set in, backed in, parked, um just we're just waiting for their runner like you do at every aid station. Just get comfy and wait. So, I mean, when I got there, there was ample parking. I parked next to another uh, runner's crew. It was just a single woman. She's just sitting there. To we just chatted and waited. And I mean, oddly enough, I parked under, find, find a tree that ha is going to give you some shade because that sun gets hot. It's now middle of the day. And 
we probably rearranged our car two or three times to put ourselves in shade because as the day grew and the morning got hotter, we were like, oh, our runner's not going to want to sit right here in the sun. So just note to self, and that's obviously common knowledge, but as you get there, you're like, oh, we got it here, and you just want to park. So rearrange, take a second, find somewhere with some shade because it does fill up quickly. And um, we just hunkered down and waited. And thankfully, we got right. I literally parked like almost ran into the sign where it says you can start crewing here because I got there early enough, backed in or pulled in and just kind of hung out and parking's easy. The runners came out right at this section. You can actually walk down that little trail uh, if you want and and see your runners come right up. So, yeah, it was it was kind of nice coming up six hours into the race. And this is kind of where I started to have issues, GI issues. Oh, really? This is where I started to not exactly feel a hundred percent, but anyway, you've got a good little crew zone area. It's, it's a, it's a mile. It might be a couple miles. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty substantial. So you're as a runner along the rim, you have your crew there and that's great. And then you drop back off the rim. So from mile 26, you will not see your crew again until mile 46 at Buck Springs. It's a three mile crew section from mile 26 to 29. You can crew. So you have this stretch of road for you to spread out. Um, and your runner will just parade through this, this road. Yep. So from, from that, you drop off as a runner, you drop off the rim, like I said, and you dip down beautiful scenery, technical trail. I can't express that enough. The trail is technical. The elevation gain on this race is 18,000 feet, which when you look at it on paper and anybody that's ran multiple hundred milers, 18,000 feet doesn't seem like a lot, but you're on the Mogian Rim. And to me, honestly, 18,000 feet felt more like probably 28 to 30. Steep, rugged, very technical. So take your time. Next Crew location, like I said, is Buck Springs A, 40, 45, 46 miles into it. And yeah, it's uh, interesting enough that you mentioned before that you have to move your vehicle to gain shade to stay cool. But be aware in the afternoon, the storms that roll through there, and luckily enough, I was down off the rim when this occurred. But people on top of the rim running along these sections ended up in a pretty significant hailstorm, which I think put almost quarter to a half inch of hail on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could see the storm from, from down below. It was nice, sunny, and hot for me. But the storm on top, yeah, it was, uh, it was a doozy from what I heard. I've seen pictures of it, but I never got to experience it. So... If you're on the rim and the storms roll through, be prepared. Not only as crew, but as a runner as well. Yep. So moving on to our next aid station, Buck Springs Aid. Again, another sweet spot for crewing. Um, We just, or I, because I, mind you, I did this solo. So this was just me toting around this rim, trying to figure out. They did have uh, pin drops for these locations on 
on their website. However, I don't know why if they just did that and maybe we just missed it and or wasn't familiar with it, but I did not do that. Um, I remember talking to some other crew members like, how are you getting to the next station? And they're like, oh, we printed off the uh, piece by piece of just map directions. And I was like, oh, can I read those? Or And I was literally like taking pictures. So I don't feel like they had that. And forgive me, Aravipa, if you had that and we just missed it because it doesn't sound like other people were like pin dropping and, and looking at all that. And I may have dropped, I may have missed it, but it's on there now. Crisis averted. It may be a simpler time for you making your way to these aid stations. However, uh, Buck Springs, an easy drive. I will mention that you are along the rim and you do see runners uh, to on your way to Buck Springs. So you do get to see your runners pass by. Um, I you, kind of, I, I mean, you're, I can't, you can't crew them or anything. You can cheer them on. Um, there is an aid station you pass on your way to the next. It's, it's not for crew, but you do pass an aid station on your way to Buck Springs. And I just kind of pulled off away from the aid station, sat in the shade and overlooked the rim before I got to Buck Springs um, as I saw runners passing by. So I sat there and cheered and just sat in the shade and there was a little pull off. There were some rocks. I just dried out some of his stuff from the Black Mesa crew that I took from him, his shirts, um, because again, he went through every element of weather on that one. Um, yeah. And made it to Buck Springs. Fine. You know, this is when it got real good for my runner. Um, this, the music was hopping. Not, not, not so much real good. I say that. Yes. Yeah. I say that sarcastically, I should say, um, I just pulled off you. You have a lot of room to pull off as it's a very open area. I don't want to say very. It's an open area where it looks like it's been a campsites or campsites blended together. We pulled off the I pulled off the road and just parked off um, into like the grassy area. I don't know how much there's not a ton of parking, but it's not it's not anything that would cause a panic for you getting there. Again, you go down this road where you are passing runners. So be careful on your way um, and be courteous because it is a very dusty road. You're kicking up dust for these runners. So go slow, go steady, just pass them, give a little woohoo and keep on trucking. But it's a, it's a, it's a hopping in, it's a hopping aid station. It's fun. Yeah, for sure. And it was kind of nice to see people, you know, as a runner running along the road and cheering. Now, now keep in mind, you can't pick up pacers until Buck Springs, but say hi to your runner, drive by, give him a high five, and then head over to, to Buck Springs and wait for him. I love seeing runners as I head to aid stations. I do, whether I know them or not, but it's just so fun. Um, I did see, I didn't see you, but I, um, you can kind of see down the road so you can see them coming. And it's, it's a rolling hill kind of road you're surrounded by trees you're you're up in this forest it's super cool it's beautiful uh night is starting to fall at this point and i would just like to interject and just remind people to make sure that you that if you're going to dive into anything in the race packet look and find the information on how to traverse the mogian rim <laughs> 
you can get lost. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, I never got lost. Um, however, it's, I could see it's their fire roads, you know, they have a lot of random roads that jet out left and right. Um, take you other places you don't have cell service up here zero Mm -hmm. so you know if you want to sit and pull over and try to figure out where you are hopefully (laughs) hopefully you have some sort maybe you do have service we we did not we were sprint t-mobile and did not we had very very minimal cell service um i think i would catch it here and there but leaving buck springs is when it got tricky and a lot of people i don't want to say a lot of people but there are people that i i noticed that they didn't go to this pinchu cabin aid station um we did but there wasn't a ton of people that were there so i'm it makes me believe that they just bypassed it and went to general springs which is fine it's 15 miles looking back i loved pinchu but I was wounded and I needed you there. You did. You're right. You're right. I think if you were guns a blazing and rolling in and rolling out, um, you know, two minutes in aid station, I would have skipped that because it's a fully stocked aid station, music, lights, it's dark um, at this point. So it's really hard. I mean, headlamps are on, lights at this aid station are blasting and music. The volunteers going. are great. Everybody's great at this Wonderful. aid station. And as a runner, just if you mm-hmm. want to and you're not in the conditions that I was in, I would say from from Buck Springs, your crew can meet you at General Springs. Just get the pin show, get in, get out, get moving. Okay. This is important to note. This is where things, this, we wrote a whole blog or I wrote a blog on this on our ultracrewhub.com website. Um, and you can find that in the blog section that goes kind of aid station by aid station that was fresh on my memory. And getting to this aid station was probably, I don't want to say scary. It was, it was just one of the harder drives for me. I was by myself. You are enclosed on these narrow roads in, in the dark washboard. There's cliffs on some of these. It's just dark, you know, you're just woody. It's thick. Um, and I was by myself, which, you know, <laughs> is kind of like a scary movie in itself. It's a little foggy. Mind starts to wonder. Absolutely. going to jump out with Oh my gosh. Well, so I get you, you <laughs> And I know other crew members can relate to this when, if they crew solo or it's dark in the middle of the night for these races, you kind of, you second guess yourself in the sense of like, did I miss a turn? Am I going the right way? Like, why don't I see any lights? And that was one of, this was, this was one of a trigger point for me was that like, I got a little nervous getting to this aid station and there was probably no reason why, but I got to this aid station. It was fine. The road was washboardy. It was, you know, just cliffs on both sides. You're winding and turning. And then, you know, you spit out into this one section and lights, <laughs> which is a huge sigh of relief because you're like, oh, thank the Lord. Because I, you just, you second guess yourself, especially at night when everything looks the same. You're by yourself and you just want to get there and be like, hallelujah. So I get there. Um, it's going to be story time with Joy right now. So I get there, I park, <laughs> I sit down. 
um, we all kind of start chatting or, you know, learning about each other's runners and where they're from. And there was um, a mom and her daughter who's probably 10, 12 years old. We started, I started chatting with her. We're sitting on this log, like overlooking this forest where we can kind of see lights flickering. So it's just kind of like this setting, this scene of everybody's having like this moment of divulging all this information of how this drive went because we all kind of looked at each other we were a little white knuckled and everyone was a little tense from this drive but um long story short she was taught we 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 got into the the conversation of this drive and she was like oh my daughter was in tears because the washboard was so bad that it she it felt like we were kind of sliding towards the edge um and then there was another woman that sat down next to us and um, was talking about her drive over there. She was in this little small sedan, ran out of, was almost out of gas, like thought she had missed a turn. She was just convinced she was lost. So she just kind of parked on the side of the road and started to sob because she was, had no idea where she was. She had no, no cell, cell service. service. She hadn't, yeah, like, so by the grace of God, these like hunters pulled up and they were like, uh, ma'am, are you all right? You, what do you, what's going on? You know? And then she was like, oh my gosh, started talking with them. They finally were like, oh yeah, you know what? You're going to go need to do A, B and C and go from here, get down. She had no way to communicate with people at the, and the aid station before. I think she missed Buck Springs because she did make it to pinch you. But she just was like, I, I was lost. I had nowhere to go. It, like it was awful. And so she finally got her, she did exactly what those hunters, because there's a lot of hunters out there. There's a lot of, a lot of ton of, ton of like ATVs blazing by you on these roads. It's, it's September. It's in, it's in the Western part of the United States. You're in Arizona and, and a lot of, um, uh, seasons open for, for big game and elk are very prevalent on this, in this area. And yeah, you have people either scouting or actually physically, you know, hunting big game in the area. Yeah. ATV central. So they're blazing by you on these roads, kicking up dust. You know, a lot of them think they're cooler than cool. So they blaze by you as fast as they can. Super loud. Um, And then there's others that are respectful. Obviously it's, it's a full spectrum of people, but um, yeah. So sitting at this aid station, you're just kind of like, holy crap, <laughs> we made it. We're good. We're great. Runner comes in. I mean, these are fully stocked aid stations. Um, this By the time you got to Pinchu, oh gosh, it was probably eight, probably 8.30, 9 o'clock. Um, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. So you were, you were in it. You were, you were on the struggle bus a little bit back at Buck Springs. You sat in the car for a little bit I mean, and I was warmed up. 52 miles at 14 hours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I had at Buck Springs hung out. I wasn't in the best of shape, shivering uncontrollably. Well, yeah, you had GI gone issues. through rain. You'd gone through hail. And then rain some more and then some sunshine. Yeah. And yeah, you were your stomach was not happy with you. You were trying to keep things down and you just couldn't. And you were throwing up in front of the car. And then you just kind of like a puke and rally like most of our runners do. So I would like to back up one second though. And talking about 
crew, and this is something that we've learned from our experience most recently, and to take away from the most recent race, Cruel Jewel, to this race, is if you are, as a crew member, noticing other crew teams where the runners are similar in time, buddy up with that crew team. Go introduce yourself. You can help each other out. You can travel together. Um, so I would recommend, I mean, this is from a runner noticing my wife being out there crewing me at these races, buddy up with somebody whose runner is in a similar time frame, time frame as you. So I think that's, that's kind of key. And that's from our experience that, I mean that, yeah, that's just a blanket statement for crewing any of these races. Um, I didn't have that in Leadville. I didn't have that at this race and that's partially on me that I just kind of stick to myself and I just like to sit there and just enjoy it. And I should have made friends, but I didn't, I did it. And that's just where. Leadville's a very easy race to crew. Directions getting around. This is, this is something where no cell service. You're on top of the rim, tons of dirt roads. Runners can get very dispersed. Crew crews can get very dispersed. So it's not like you can follow a pack of cars to the, Leadville's got 700 runners. Right. Well, and it's, this is every, I feel like every aid station is about a 30 minute drive. At least. That's what it felt like. Just because you're slow, you're winding through these dirt roads, these washboard roads, and you're just Mm -hmm. making your way, Mm -hmm. trying to figure out, was that a turn? Is this a turn? Is this where I'm supposed to go? You're, I was constantly second guessing myself as the night fell and everything started to look the same. So just a a little bit of, of our experience. If you see somebody and you're seeing them on a routine basis, just say hi to them, travel with them if you can. Yeah. I mean, and that was one thing I, I need to be better at is like, you don't even need to talk to them. <laughs> you can just see that they're leaving and maybe ask them like, Hey, are you guys going to the next aid station? And they're like, yeah, or no, we're going to Washington park or whatever, uh, or not Washington park, but, um, well from, from general Springs to Dickerson, that's general 25 Springs, that's miles. Right. General Springs. General Springs. Yeah. And, and just follow them. So you just find a car and just follow those taillights because I think that is crucial information Correct. in itself. Okay. So okay, so back on track. So since you done, I send you on your way. You're not loving life here. I think you nope. actually sat you. Oh, this is where you sat in the car for an hour. At Was least. it an hour? At least. Yeah. You sat Peter in the car. On high. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. Yeah. I had to get out of the car. It was so stinking hot. So you ate, we were, we were pumping anything and every, we didn't care if you were throwing it up, you were getting it in, whatever you were keeping down. Great. Here's something else. Eat it. Uh, we were just kind of watch. We were on watch right now. Um, get in the car, wrap you up. Car is on heat's blasting. We did, we did the countdown thing you know, increments of like 15 minutes. All right. You're on the clock. 15 minutes. Who kept hitting the snooze button basically. Yeah. Well, you know, as a, as a crew member, you kind of look at your run and you're like, you know what, you're, you know what, you're fine. You can take, we're at the point now where we just need to get you healthy and back on your feet. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's 10 minutes from now or if it's 45 minutes from now, let's just take what you need. And that was the choice we made or I made. And you would have sat there for three hours if you could have, but we got to the point where I was like, let's get you in some clothes, some new clothes. Got dry, got warm, got out on the trail, leaving Pinchot. Mm-hmm. Felt great. And on your way, you went. And I had about six and a half miles to cover to the next crew location at General Springs. I probably got four and a half miles into it feeling great. There are f- And then not so great. Yeah, there are, 
mind you, there are only four aid stations that you get to crew at, that you get to see your runner. Um, and we're on number, th is there five? Oh, Dickerson flat. That's right. So there's five. All right. Whatever. Less than, you know, five, five that you get to see. So we never made it to Dickerson. So I would commend you on your math. But for me, there was four. So moving on. Um, we general Springs, another, I, you know what? I, I think I found some taillights and I just followed it. I, I don't ever, I don't remember anything different between the last aid station to general springs because it literally all looked the same narrow roads dirt roads trees an abundance of them pine hence the name um and i just got there i mean this is a huge aid station no aid this is just a huge parking lot um kind of a y uh area looking so you can kind of turn right park anywhere from there you can go straight park there it's a huge parking it's a huge yeah. area as a runner you come out onto some single track you hit a uh, a double track atv road then into a, a, a larger gravel road um up to to general springs the crew zone mm -hmm. this is mile 60.2 and it took me seven and a half hours on a net downhill to this to get to this point of the race yeah. So this is where I slept um, and just hung out. It's, it's, it is what it is. It's, there's nothing really to say about this aid station. You just park and wait because that's six, that's six miles, that's six and a half miles. It took you, it took you a chunk of time. It was rough. Yeah. Rough go. Well, I, and maybe again, this, there's an asterisk on these all these podcasts. This is from our experience. This is based off our runner. This is based off our personalities. <laughs> and there may have been a little bit of uh, residual fat fatigue setting in or had been there all the time since year A100 that I just ran in, in July six previous to this. Yeah. I mean, six or eight weeks. It is what it is. I, I was in rough shape. Sure. Um, but at this point, you had already ran 300 100s this yeah. year. Um, Anyways, no excuses. Zero. It's still a sore subject. Um, General Springs. Um, I rolled in. Uh, wasn't feeling the greatest. It was, I think, midnight, one a.m., two a.m., something like that. Um, still not in the best condition. Stomach's not that great. From here, we critically thought as best we could. So from this crew, General Springs crew area, to the next crew area, which is Dickerson Flat, it's 25-ish miles. You drop back off the rim. You come up a little bit um, on another section and back down. 25 miles, we were hearing from, from people that basically Pinchot to, through General Springs to Dickerson, people were taking roughly... 10 to 12 hours mm -hmm. again i mean this you hear that you there's chatter always at at um aid stations that you just kind of overhear and i did hear one guy and that just kind of solidified my let's call it attitude because he made the comment that it's taking it's taking an average of 12 hours for runners to get to dickerson 24 out 24 miles in Rightfully so. I get it. I mean, you're now you're now busting into the morning time before you see you leave General Springs and you're going to go 24 miles deep. You're not seeing your runner for another 
anywhere from six to six to twelve hours. Just call it that, yep. depending on the yep. condition of your runner. Right. Um, you do have three. The runner has three aid stations: Washington Park, Geronimo, and Donahue. So they're they're covered. But to be in a condition where I was, hindsight's twenty twenty. I would have never dropped. I would have kept chugging along with those three aid stations in my walking. way. Yeah, walking, walking it out. Just get to Dickerson and see how I felt there. But hearing 12 hours and then the condition I was in. And the condition crew was in. I was I was bent at this point with how I was annoyed. This, I mean, listen, this is, I'm just, it's it, no offense to this race. I mean, this is just, again, my personality and my experience doing this solo. I was just kind of like, I got, you, you get to a point where you're like so frustrated because it's on you. I mean, rightfully so. I could have done a 110% better of figuring out pin drops and making sure things were downloaded and all of that stuff was squared off. But talking to I other- I wouldn't say you were so much annoyed. You were just exhausted. It, yes. Yeah. I mean, it was very, it was, fr it was frustrating. Growing's not easy. No, no. And it was frustrating in the fact that you weren't feeling 100%. And, you know, had you- our personalities came into this aid station at General Springs. Just, it was it was a big no-no. Like, we broke the cardinal rule of, like, how are you feeling? I don't know. How are you feeling? All right. No. <laughs> no. All right. Good. Let's call it. Was it was a snowball. You laid down in the back of the car effect. and just, you looked like a ghost and you just couldn't keep anything down. Yeah, you, you took a couple sips of something and you were just projectile vomiting. And I was like, this is, this is awful. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. You know, you were exhausted. And then the fact that it was taking, it didn't matter how long it was taking to get to Dickerson Flat. I couldn't get to you to pick you up for 24 miles. So had you been dropped anywhere else? Mess, yeah. Had you been a hot mess in that 12 hours, someone, some, you, we would have been interrupting someone's day of going to get you or however you would have I would have gotten you out of there. Mm. So you would have had to been carried out to Dickerson Flat. And I just was in that mindset. But I think that's a blessing because as <laughs> mental as ultra hunters are and not ever wanting to give up, you get down off of General Springs, you got to get to Dickerson to see your crew. Mm -hmm. You just got to one step in front of the other, and that's what I would have done and I should have done. Hindsight 2020. But we pulled the plug at General Springs. Yeah. And went to the finish line via car. Which which was another drive in itself. I mean, it took us probably an hour to yeah, get to that finish line. At least line an hour. Out of out of General Springs. And the reason for that was there's no volunteer aid station at General Springs. And you have to notify somebody of the race. That you are actually dropping out it's a very because point. the remoteness of the race and you want to make sure that you notify the race so they understand that you've you've exited the course so we went to the finish line we found a volunteer at the finish line who was setting things up and just getting things organized and yeah we pulled the plug there and we did. slept in the back of the car until sun till sunrise yeah i mean d i blessing in disguise a dnf is i think everybody has to at some point every runner has to go through that feeling of like oh heck no that's never going to happen again and i feel like that's where we're at now with these races unless you are physically 
impaled or you are it's yeah it's detrimental to your health he could have totally went on and i think that's the frustrating part so for anyone who's listening and your runner is kind of at that point and they're just having you know awful stomach issues and you think that they're all right and they think they're gonna you need to get them to a point where they can they can carry on we we did not get that point because we both were in a different mindset of not even want to be in there so it was so easy to throw in the towel but looking back we will never probably and i say this lightly that we will probably never you will never dnf again unless 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 you know it, it's detrimental something medically but just because you had a silly stomach issue yeah welcome to ultra runner everybody was probably yeah. it was coming out of all areas with most it was of a learning runners. experience i figured out <laughs> things to focus on to try to turn that part of my experience around was you know what can I do to keep my stomach in check moving forward? And so I have over the course of the year been messing with nutrition and different products and stuff like that. And I think I've kind of, kind of found it. Mm -hmm. I just ran cruel with no issues. Felt great. Thank you, Mogion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, it, well, it, I'll take that back. I did throw up once, um, a, a word of wisdom. Don't drink Coca-Cola and then slam some pickle juice. Well, that was self-infliction. That was just silliness. Yeah. But it's it, it's a it is a beautiful a beautiful race it's yeah. well done i mean that's not there it's not anybody's fault that that's these roads are that, that way it gets dark whatever it, it's, it's an era viper it's, race yes. i mean these guys put they on know what they're doing epic events the this, race director is fantastic mm. this whole race point to point on the mogian rim the remoteness the beautiful beautiful arizona desert and mountains which is yeah Listen, I, we're never here to like discredit any race. This is just I. This is just stuff that we wish we would have known. We want some of these emotions to be raw, so that when you get to these points, you can be like, "Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, they said this, or this is where this is kind of thing." I don't ever want to discredit races, and because this to us, this there was a ton of people that finished the race. Fine, but for us and our experience, this is what you're going to get out of this podcast and this is what you're going to hear i'm not going to like oh say it was oh it was perfect it was the most uh seamless thing around no it was hard this is this is a this is a tough crewing um race it is a hundred and forty five thousand percent doable heed you the, can heed, do it heed the warnings in the on their website mm -hmm. this is a tough race mm -hmm. read the the cap the captions, like things like this is critical. Um, pay attention to those things because if you think, oh, 100 miles, 18,000 feet, eh, it's not too bad. <laughs> Heed their warnings in their guidebook. Just read it. I mean, that's just, that's just basic common knowledge for any time you're going to run these races, just read it. There's a ton of information and may, it may not be, you know, you may just gloss over it, but print it out, you know, have it with you, pay attention. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we, after, after general Springs, just to kind of wrap this up and kind of take it home is like, we went down. Cause again, like Mason said, we needed to tell someone we weren't just going to wheel out, go home, go back to the hotel and crash mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. You need to find someone to tell. So somebody that was a big stressor. of the race. They will have that contact number to the race director to inform them. You have exited the race. We went right to the finish line, the pine community and center, waited and waited. And 
you know what? It was actually the coolest thing ever. We we slept in the car um, and no joke, we got to the community center, shut our eyes. And then all of a sudden it was like the, the bugling. The elk. Of the elk. Like elk were walking around the street. In town. In town. Next is right next to the car. It was so cool. I remember we were like, and Mason's a big was a big hunter, bow hunting, and hunted elk. And mm-hmm. to him, he was like a kid in the candy store. Like Amazing. he knew exactly where they were. They were trying to find each other and how they were communicating. And that you could just, it literally sounded like, and it sounds stupid, like horses coming down the road. Mm-hmm. But they were so close to our car. I think one even like, I could have touched one. They were walking. And there were, there was probably four or five of and them. And this leans to the remoteness of the race. I mean, yeah. there's not very many towns in the, in the Western United States where elk just happened to walk through. It was, it was beautiful. It was so stinking cool. I mean, that just, that was the, that was one of the highlights of this race is that, that finish line. And to get back to it is like, people were there setting up. We probably got there at about 1 a.m., 2 a.m. Oh no, it was three or four. Okay. Three or 4 a.m. And thankfully there was, you know, one or two people milling around. So I got out of the car. I found someone, I was like, Hey, just a heads up you know, runner, yada, yada dropped. Um, can you just let someone know anybody know? And And they they were were, great. Yep. They were like, yep, yep. Thanks for letting us know. We'll make a note of it. Um, you're, you're all good. So once that got solidified, we saw one runners, one and two come through at about Mm -hmm, mm 6am. The sun was up. Was it for one of them? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, and then it we, yeah, and then we just kind of looked at each other and we we're like, let's roll. Let's go. So we, um, this is kind of where we, we went to McDonald's and we'll just give you a rundown. We went to McDonald's. We ate unplant based things. We were in that mood. Again, we were, we're, we were okay. If we have cheese, if we have meat, it's going to be fine. Um, we sat down and just looked at each other and we were like, ah, crap. Did we Dutch really brothers, just Dutch brothers coffee. <laughs> We we went through almost like a a quitter's remorse of like ah oh, we could have totally done you know the remorse of looking at the watch and thinking I could go back and finish. <laughs> so yeah, then there was the Dutch Brothers, which you know if you're from California, you're from the West Coast, from the Pacific Northwest. The Pacific Northwest, you're familiar with Dutch Brothers, which we don't have here in the Midwest, so it was a treat for us to just go and splurge on some iced coffees and just sit around and sulk and laugh and reminisce and um after that <laughs> we went to If you feel like opening up the <laughs> the wallet, we have a uh, our one Everywhere. single vice is no matter where we're at, if we see a casino, heck yeah. We got to go. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a casino. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably the biggest highlight. Yeah, it was for us. We 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 netted a positive coming out of the casino. So we, we were, were in excited. a mood. We were in such a mood. It was like a goofy, get out of our way. We're gonna crush this kind of mood. But um, yeah, we got coffee and then just ate, and it's Mazatzal. Like right when Resort you get in, casino. yeah, right when you get into Payson, it's right off on the right. And we we were right by Dutch Brothers there, and we're like, 
let's do it. Let's just go. It was it's fun. It was like 7.30 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> Early busting, birds. We're busting into the casinos with all the, you know, locals and crushing it, throwing some dollars in those quarter slots and max betting our life away because you know what? Much worse can it be? We needed some. We needed. Hey, we paid for gas. Yeah, we did. We crushed it. It was fun. Walked out of there in the uh, positive and made our way back down to Phoenix. Okay, where well, we, right? Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Stayed there, got a flight the next day, traveled on home. So let's take the next couple minutes to kind of give a quick little rundown. Flying to Phoenix, uh, two hour drive to Pine, where the race packet pickup is. It's an hour and 30 minutes into Payson, where we stay at the Comfort Inn. Great place. A lot of good options there restaurants, grocery stores. Rim Runners, if you forget any of your running gear, go to Rim Runners. They'll have everything you need. Mm-hmm. Um, from from Payson to the start, 28-minute drive. Or if you want, they have a shuttle service. It's about a 45-minute drive from the Pine Parking, which I would like to – we didn't we didn't mention this. This year in 2023, I think you can camp now. Mm, a mile from the start line. A mile from the start line. So that's, that's a bonus. I think they've just uh, – And – Permitting or something like that, they did get access to, to camping close to the shuttle area and to the start. And huge to note, you can leave your car there all weekend. Correct. If you're obviously parked in the right spot, out of the way of emergency vehicles, and they lay it out in their in yeah. their in their handbook on their That's website, it's thing. it's all in there. It's huge. It's it's mm-hmm. a great addition to this race. Um, for other camping, um, the dirt campground three sixty. Yeah, figure that out. You'll you, figure all that stuff out. Yeah. Um, but overall, pack a picket was simple. The race, I mean, driving, buck up. Get ready. And, as, and, and if you're looking to run this race, it is a absolute must. Could you do this race without crew? <clears throat> I think you could. <laughs> well, you could probably do any race without I crew. I mean, you've got three you drop bag locations. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's good. And I, I think you I'm could. Sure people have. But anyway, you could. I think that's a. I, I love that question. Um, hard, it, it it is a it is a qualifier for for Hard Rock. So it, that in itself is an attestment to how difficult this race is, and I can't reiterate that enough. When you look at it on paper at 101 miles, 18,000 feet, you automatically think it's not difficult. It's hard. It's 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 up there with some of the the hardest races that I've run. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've ran, I think arguably probably one of the hardest ones, the year a 100, which is a pretty difficult race. And, and I would say it's technically next to something like superior with the superior hiking trail. It's a very, very technical race. Cool. Yeah. And it, so don't go into it thinking it's easy and don't go into crewing this race as being something simple and easy. No. My two cents before we wrap this up, fill up your tank, get everything you need, everything you need from sleeping to eating to, um, you know, just being ready to be up there all night, which is fine. It's doable. You're going to be great. It's going to be great. Now, you know, you have some insight that I did not have. So yep. get it, crush it and make, make it a great race. And, and for more information, we mentioned earlier that we did put a little bit of blog on the website at ultracrewhub.com. We also have a Mogion Monster page with a group chat and some more details in there that we will be adding 
um, information to as this is a community-based website where we take the information from people who have ran the race previously. Yeah, so go on there and add your two cents. To any race, to not any race. just Mogion. Yeah. We have and are building races on this website constantly. Give your two cents to people like this, you know, that want to know that, you know, race you just ran or last year even and throw in a couple sentences and tell people where you stayed, where you ate, you found something off the side of the road. This was great. This didn't work. This aid station has this there. And that's the whole point is like, this is why we're doing this. So everybody can give their two cents, not just us. We have our own experience. We have our own personalities. We have our own types of runners. So that's the beauty of of having that website is that for you guys to, to do some legwork and, and share your thoughts and your experiences. So with that, I think we'll, uh, we'll bring it to a, to a close and, and hope that everybody in their futures, I will be back at Mogion guaranteed a hundred percent. We're going to crush it. <laughs> Somebody's excited. I am. I'm going to do it Looking again. Looking forward to getting back there again. Aravipa puts on a beautiful race, point to point, 101 miles, 18,000 feet roughly of some very technical, challenging um, terrain. Highly recommended. Crews, get luck. ready. Good luck, Good luck out there, and we'll talk to you next time. Hey, everybody. Well, there you have it. Our experience at the Mogion 100 from 2022. We hope you find this information valuable in preparing for this year's upcoming race or planning for next year's Mogion 100. And again, we would like to mention, for more information on this race, please visit www.ultracrewhub.com. And post-race, if you guys would feel so inclined to do so, please send us some information from your experience and your running of the Mogion 100. Again, thanks, everybody. Enjoy. Be safe.